chat with Griffin and Gear. It's the best podcast of year all year. It's Crap Chat with Griffin and Gear. Hi, and welcome to Craft Chat. I'm Cisco Griffin. And I'm Genevieve Gear. And today we're here with Casey Lynch of Squirrel Tacos. Hooray! Hi, Hello. Casey. Hi. So, Casey, can you tell the people who you are and what you do? I am a paper cutter. My company is called Squirrel Tacos, and I specialize in woodland scenes and nature-themed paper cuts. How's that? What <laughs> that, more would you like? That sounds fantastic. <laughs> so, um... Let's talk about the paper. Where, how did you, how did it all start for you? Like, when did you, when were you like, I know that I want to do this thing. I think mm-hmm. I can do it. I have an aptitude for it. Whatever was your trajectory. I was a ceramic major in school, but didn't have a kiln or a wheel where I was living. So I was doing a lot of printmaking and book binding and that kind of thing. And saw a giant, magnificent paper cut in person and was transfixed, taught myself. Tried to find a little bit of information online, but there really wasn't anything. But I was also working in an art supply store, so I would just buy different papers, use different blades until I figured it out and self-taught. You're totally self-taught, 100%. Yeah, 100%. And did you read books on it or did you Google or did, was it like just trial and error? Um, I have one book on it. Most of the books are just uh, images of people's paper cuts. There's not a lot of how-to. Also, a lot of the traditional technique is um, mirror imagery. So the traditional folk paper cuts would be the paper is folded in half and you cut through both sides. I didn't know that. And then when you unfold it, you would maybe add wording or something like that. So it would be hearts, the... What are they? They're like the hex sign right. type like of imagery. or something. Yeah, like and girls birds. with pigtails and yeah. braids and yeah. that kind of thing. And um, that's traditionally how it's done. So if I were to really research the old technique, that's what I would be learning. And they use scissors for that? Is that right? Yeah. Which is um, bizarre. Most people know the word Sharon Schnitter yeah. because the Germans brought it over to the States first. Uh-huh. So the Pennsylvania Dutch were the first paper cutters here. And that's the German word for it. And it literally means uh, scissor cuts or little scissor cuts. Scissor cuts. Sharon Schneider. Wow. Mm. And is that, is it only Germany that does the paper cutting or there, is it in other places, other influences? Every culture I've looked into has a history of it. Wow. There are Jewish ketubas, the, ma- the matrimonial, have you ever seen them? The mm-hmm. marriage certificates. Usually they're calligraphy and they're beautiful or someone will add some watercolor to them, but the paper cut ones are otherworldly. They're so incredible. They're paper cutting the words? No, the the like scenes or trees or oh. all around the edging. Oh, wow. And then a calligrapher will do the middle. So it's almost like one artist has it and then hands it to another artist to work on it. Can you imagine that pressure, being that second artist? (laughs) (laughs) Well, do you think that they're doing the paper cuts first or the calligraphy first? Um, When you say it that way, you sound like the paper cuts are more important than the calligraphy. Not more important, but no, I mean, I I can think that either one of them is prone to disaster. So I wonder... Which I one mean, could be When I was first. a picture framer, I would frame ketubas a lot. And 
they would come in with tissue adhered to the front because nothing could touch that calligraphy until you got it in the frame. And then we would frame it so that it could be, the glass could be removed so that they could sign it at the ceremony and then yeah. reassemble it. But they treated that calligraphy like it was, because it's a prayer. It's uh, so, so that almost makes me think that the paper cut would be done first right. because you can't I feel like the interacting with, the, I don't with know. the paper. The whole thing is nuts. Can you fudge paper cutting? Like, because <laughs> yeah. my feeling on what you're asking is that you would do the calligraphy first. Mm -hmm. Because if you make a little, like if you're doing a design on the outside right. or anything, you could fudge it a little bit. But like mm -hmm. a calligraphy, there's no, like you, there's no right. backing out of that <clears throat> ink on there. So... That's is true. there a way to fudge? Like, do you fudge? Do you like make a mistake and then you, then you go Keep back and going, or like you're like, eh, now that's gonna be this or sometimes. I mean, there are certain times when you can't get away with it. Like I've I've honestly sat at the table and considered, can this octopus have seven legs and not eight? <laughs> really? How important is this for that bear to have? Did you just make four the legs? wrong cut? Yeah, you just go. I mean, some, like sometimes when your very tip of your blade breaks, it stays in the mat. If you can't get it out of the mat, and then you skitter across it in another, it, like your blade just keeps going, and you just slice through all kinds of stuff. And that doesn't happen a lot. You hope it happens never, but it does happen. And, and it's like I lose like, like a tree limb. Yeah. It, you use like almost like a tissue. It's not tissue paper. It's like maybe a little thicker than tissue paper. It's very thin, right? No. Oh, it isn't Not thin? the paper I use. Because okay. of the way I frame them, I need it to be... Oh, right. I need them to stand. And so I, I do think it's interesting that you said you used to work at a frame shop and mm -hmm. you've taken paper cuts and really, um, I think what's what what makes yours so unique is that you've you've kind of incorporated this shadow box style mm -hmm. um, and really are interested in the play of light. Um, I know that your display has the uh, the mini flashlights. <laughs> how do they how do those work? Yeah, and how did that come about? I think like as far as somebody's booth and like I mean I have I have vended next to you for a lot of dimes and I walked into your booth this past year and discovered the flashlights. It was like, oh my God, this is so cool. So like, how did you, how did that come about? Or like, what were you, what made you think like, oh, this is, this is a cool add-on. Well, I'm always trying to, so the way I frame them is I, I build a shadow, I build a box onto the back of each frame so that the paper cut will cast its own shadow onto the white background. But when I'm vending those, those tents, they, they give you such a hazy kind of light, so you don't get those good shadows. So I can't really explain to people, in your home, this will look different. So I tried different lighting. I tried string lights. None of that was really working. And I was at my favorite place, Tractor Supply, and they, <laughs> they had like a six-pack of these little mag lights, and that's how that happened. And it really, it was you were like, aha, that's how yeah. I do it, because it's uh -huh. brilliant. And, when, and you really do, when you start taking the flashlight and going in front of each one, you see like a whole other dimension mm -hmm. that happens with it. And I think it's, it's just really striking. Yeah. I don't, I was thinking about it the other day. It's a lot of fun and people enjoy doing it, but I don't think it's actually increased any sales at all. You don't think so? I don't. I, I, 
I would beg to differ. I, I mean, I obviously you're going to know better than me, but I feel like that interactive thing, I feel like, especially for craft right now, because we're all so used to, you know, having like little computer screens engage mm-hmm. with us. Like every, it's now they talk to us and like we could touch them and they do things right. that having that interactive thing in, in a craft, like, I think it, I think that it's. I don't know. I think that it's like charming and I think that it, it draws people in. Why don't you think that it, I mean, obviously it's probably a numbers thing, but how can you tell? Because the people that actually use the flashlights and play around with them don't actually make a purchase. Really? Not usually, no. And I have people say, well, how will I, How would I reproduce this in my home? I'm going to say, well, lamp light, sunlight, we'll do it. But it doesn't, it seems to be... Like um, they don't believe you. They think it's like a spotlight. Yeah, they think it's just something. I don't know. So okay, I'm not sure why it doesn't work. <laughs> if if you've come to the to the conclusion then that the shadow frames aren't a sales incentive, uh, I'm assuming that the, the frames me- are, are the more flashlights aren't encouraging oh, the sales. Flashlights. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. But the shadow boxes are what okay, sells perfect. my work. Perfect. I believe. I guess I I don't like the. For me personally, I don't like framing them flat 2D. I went to school for 3D. It's the way I like to think. Do you do you frame any of them 2D? Only um, one. I do this Wild Things Live Here, and I frame that one 2D. The layered ones, I don't always put in shadow boxes. I'll flame, I frame them flat. And the other thing that's, uh, I think, interesting... I mean, beyond the fact that, like, you're bringing in all pieces of your experience in life, you know. How long mm-hmm. have you been doing this? Um, this is my, I'm going on my fourth year full time, but I think it's it's over a dozen. I don't. Twelve years? I think so. And only four years for Squirrel Tacos? Well, I've been calling myself Squirrel Tacos for a long time, but <laughs> <laughs> four years full time. Oh, okay. Is that all your right. trucker handle? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so I'm going to ask a question because just in case no one knows, like, what are squirrel tacos? They're tacos for squirrels. Right. <laughs> I thought they were tacos that had squirrels in no, them. We didn't eat the squirrels. I, I kept being like, why is that a good name? I have no idea. So I just had to throw that in. Go it's ahead. a good name because you remember it. Yeah. That's why it works for yes. me. And it's cute. Right. It's like a cute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which is my gig. So, have you ever had a pet squirrel? You've had a lot of wild animals. Not indoor, no. I mean, I have a few that I take care of. Okay. What does Do that you... mean? Well, I, we feed them treats, and I, when the dog tears apart one of her toys, I'll put some of the stuffing outside for squirrels so that they put them in their nest. And when I comb the goats, and uh, they love it. When I comb the goats after winter, and I get all of that goat fur, I put that out for the squirrels so that they can add them to their nests. And do they come, they do come you, down and get it. Do you make them miniature tacos? I don't, but there are these, <laughs> there are these girl feeders that are little Adirondack chairs that you can hang on a tree, and then it's got a little spike for a corn cob, and you put the corn cob on it, and the squirrels sit in the chair and eat corn. <laughs> and I want all of them. I want them so bad. That is like blowing my mind. <laughs> I love the squirrel feeders that that. 
hang real close to the ground, oh. but it's a it's a head mm-hmm. of like a dinosaur or something like or that. A horse and head. the squirrel, yeah, the squirrel yeah. come up underneath and put their head in, so you see their body <laughs> with this giant <laughs> like head. That just yeah. it's hilarious. They are fantastic. They're that amazing. So something that's always struck me about you is like you're highly organized. Like I feel like you're highly organized. You are high- well, no, you don't think you are, okay. but I feel like you have this. Like you churn out a huge amount of product, and I would just like to say all of your product is hand cut. Mm-hmm. It is like from start to finish, and then you're framing it also yourself. Right. So how do you when you wake up in the morning and you've got a farm and you've got mm-hmm. a show coming up and all that? Like how do you arrange your day? Like do you is it just chaos, or do you have a system, or have you developed a system? Um, I I take care of the animals first, and while I'm taking care of the animals, my coffee is brewing, and then I come in and I feed the dog last, because if I feed her first, she runs away, because there's nothing keeping her there. She just runs into <laughs> other people's yards, and, um, and I feed the dog, I have my coffee, and if I have a show coming up or I have a wholesale account I have to ship out, or if I have specific things happening, I make an hourly schedule of my day. Right then? Yeah, and I find, and I do it every morning. Every morning? Mm-hmm. Not every single day, but if I have deadlines that week, I do hourly schedules for the day. Because if I find, if I just make a list of this is everything that needs to happen today, I don't, I don't hit half of the stuff on the list. But if I say, okay, I'm cutting from 9 to 12, and then next to that, it's the whatever, 3 to 18 things that need to be cut in those three hours. And then I'm going to frame for two hours, or I'm going to build boxes for the frame for two hours, and then I'm going to do this. And I don't stick necessarily to the schedule, but it's the best system for me, the hourly schedule. Because just making a list of what needs to get done is that. That doesn't work at all. So that's why it's not been working for me. <laughs> yeah. I don't know where I got that tip. Like make it, break it down by hour, break your hours down by 15 minutes if you have to. Oh but God. break it down. Like I'm going to do this from six to seven. The that. to-do list works so little for me. I've just stopped making them and I just go in and I try to remember what it is I need to do. And it's like not working. So that's a good tip. Yeah. I'm try that try hourly. That. I, like I even schedule in my lunch, my showers, everything. Wow. It forces me to leave the desk, it, you know. Then I say, this is how much time I have until I have to feed the animals. And this is what I have to get done. And then the next day, I don't even look at the previous day's list. I just start a whole new list over. Because if I look at yesterday's list and see what I didn't get done, it's like, why even bother? Yeah. And then you spend an hour like berating <laughs> mm-hmm. yourself. Like, mm-hmm. oh my God, how can I make this faster? And right. you have these old conversations. Yes. And yeah, yeah, I totally get it. So assuming you don't have a show on the weekends, are you working seven days a week? And if so, how many hours... A day on average. Yeah, I work seven days a week. Um, <laughs> you could not look less yep. enthused about that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, this week I didn't work that much on Monday because I had a show on Sunday, and so Monday I like I inventoried my greeting cards and figured out what I had to order. For, like I did a lot of I do that kind of stuff, but like I still haven't unloaded my truck from Sunday. It's still filled with frames right now. So, um, but I probably work 10 hours a day if jay's away like if i'm home alone in the house i'll work sun up to sundown i'll put 16 hour days in i love those days yeah because working till nine or ten at night is the best ever because you get so much done in a long Mm -hmm. day like that yeah Mm -hmm. yeah it's crazy and it feels like i'm just given all of this bonus time where it doesn't matter that 
you know, I ate at my desk while, yeah, you know, making a list. And full disclaimer, Jay's amazing. He's an amazing partner. He is fantastic. (laughs) And I love having him home all the time. He was home for a few months not working, and it was the best time ever. But it was also the least productive time of my life because he would say, you want to go out to lunch? And of course I do. Of course I want to go out to lunch. (laughs) Yeah. And do you feel like it's hard to find that kind of balance? A lot of people work at home or work with like their partners around or like when I was working at home it was like cleaning the house always kind of like kind of like waylaid me and I'd be like oh I should be cleaning the house no I should be working do you how do you how do you balance all that I today drew something new for the new collection and that is the most time consuming for me and cut three large pieces for the new collection and did seven loads of laundry I do it all at the same time. Oh, and while I'm in the shower, like I scrub the shower. <laughs> I always thought laundry, pe- people who were like, I hate doing laundry. I think laundry is the best chore. Laundry is, Because you, you put it's it crazy. in and then you go do what you want for an yep. hour. Mm-hmm. Right? You, it's not an active, you know, yep. when you're doing the dishes, you're standing there yeah. at the sink until the dishes are done. If it takes an I hour, agree. you are standing there that entire hour. If I put stuff, oh, I may have to walk up and down yeah. the stairs, but I toss it in. Yeah, and then but then the you gotta remember the to put it into the dryer, which often I forget for a couple Set days. A timer. No, and then you gotta pick it all up, bring it upstairs, figure out where it all goes, fold it, the whole oh. thing. See, we're in a tiny little ranch house that the laundry is right next to the kitchen, and I'm in there all day heating up my coffee. Dream, dream home, and and really any any house right that has more than one floor if the master bedroom is not on the first floor laundry should be on the floor where the most people live right it should be on the bedroom floor well that's what i'm saying that's what i mean yeah like if that happens to be the second floor if that happens to be the third floor with that is that you eliminate any possibility of a laundry chute and that has been a dream of mine <laughs> my entire life for no reason at all, except that. Do you want a laundry That's a shoot? hole where you put your laundry and a dumbwaiter. So Do you need one of those it's too? It's a slide for your clothes. <laughs> so funny! I begged Sam when we moved into our house. I'm like, please make me a laundry right? shoot. But it was like he's like, "Do you want to see it as it comes down through the floors?" So I was like, "Not so much." No, I don't want to see it. I was desperate. That's so strange. Yeah. We have never talked about that. All right, dumbwaiter. Oh, yeah, I was gonna say, do you want a dumbwaiter? Yes, of course I do. Do you also want like one of those pneumatic <laughs> tubes that lunch. you could yes. that you could get yeah. a message when you're in yeah. the bathroom? It's just like shunk, yes. and you're like, oh, let me read this. Yes, absolutely. It should be all yeah. scrolls. Shunk, and it's you, you unroll this parchment when you're on the toilet, and you're like, oh. Well, I do think that we need some grocery lists. And you like fill out a couple things for the grocery and put it back in the tube. And it's like, shoot, and it goes back. I wish the text came that way. That would be so awesome. Yeah, that would be awesome. Wouldn't it? It would be exciting every time. That would actually be a pleasurable. Just tubes everywhere. (laughs) Totally like Brazil. I I feel like I want to download that sound from my phone and have that when texts come in, have it just be the shoot sound. That'd be awesome. I'm into that. So, Casey, I do have to ask, because I come from the land of technology. Yeah. Uh, very, very much into that, kind of have always been. Um, and we've talked a lot about how, how time-consuming your process is and that all of your work is mm-hmm. hand-cut. And, and I think you get this question a lot, so I figured we could talk about sure. it. So why, 
do you do what you do the way you do it in this day and age? Well, I mean, I could tell you a time-honored technique, and if I don't do it, who will? And all of those things, but honestly... You <laughs> said you're not to the tradition. That's right. The backs of... It's all on me, Cisco, but that's not why. <laughs> I'm keeping the German people together. It's because that's the part I like the most. I mean, if I'm not doing the paper cutting, what am I doing? I'm, I'm organizing my Instagram feed. I'm updating my website. I'm writing emails. I'm, I love interacting with people who buy my work and who like to look at it and like to talk about it. That's so fun. But <clears throat> that's not what I want my job to be. I don't want my job to be all marketing. And I mean, I guess I would get better at design. But I also think that I would... I would be less strict about design cohesion because when I see people who go into technology, it's almost as if their world just expands that they can now do anything, that they now do everything. And I kind of like that I've got my little niche and I stay in my, my niche and my, my <clears throat> what my brand is. And I feel like if I went into lasers or whatever the other machines are, um, that I would just, I would lose my brand. And well, my I definitely think that your, kind of your lifestyle and your imagery lend itself to being right. kind of hand cut and hand done. And yeah. Yeah. Right. Because I'm making my own butter. That kind of thing. <laughs> Wait, are you doing that now? No. Oh my gosh. No, I don't have any it? animals I can milk. <laughs> you, oh, no, you're Do you have oh, animals that's right, you can milk? Oh, yeah, goats. goats. I, just see, I have one goats. female goat. Do you milk her? No, I would have to get her pregnant and then take away her baby and milk her. Oh, yuck. I know, I found out that that's how that works. And Which totally makes sense. I should, right? <laughs> I'm I mean, so divorced from the natural world. Exactly. I'm like, I should have known that and I didn't. And then I was like, well, I don't really. I mean, I already make her live with this awful boy. I mean, he's just the worst. What do you mean? The male goat is oh, just yeah. such a pain your, in the ass. Your goats. And you have pygmy goats. I do. Yes. And, and, and I have met these pygmy goats. Yeah. And when one, at least me, think of a pygmy goat, I think of something pocket the size, size of pocket size. Pocket yeah, dog size. I would think it was like this. Exactly. Like a shih tzu. That is incorrect. <laughs> they are gigantic. Gigantic. Oh. It's like a no. pony. They're about the size of my dog. I don't know. Which is a boxer. Oh. They're oh, about that's the size I feel like they're bigger. Man, they, they seem big. I mean, they're... They were much bigger than I thought they were going to be. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> they were just... Baby goats, kids, they're tiny. Yes. And they were very small. When I got them, I could scoop them both up and carry them under both arms. Do they oh, Do they yeah. not have a goat a that stays like that? That's it's like a teacup no. goat? No. no. I think that that would be nice. I mean, there are Nigerian dwarf goats, but I don't think they still stay small either. Like the, like the goats goat are very large animals. Well, yes, like, they I have are. the small version of them. And they're tough, right? They like eat everything. Do yours eat every, everything? I have a lot of clothing that is devoid of zippers and buttons. Yeah, he will eat anything. Oh, really? Yeah, there was a time when he was in his adolescent stage where he had a thing about my hair. Like, he was just always trying to chomp on ponytails or just any hair that he could get in his <laughs> mouth and just, like, trying to rip it out of my head. Yeah, he's a nightmare. That's insane. I love him, but he is a nightmare. Wow. 
That's how I feel about my chihuahua. <laughs> like she's just she's a terror. Mm-hmm. She's untrainable. But mm-hmm. I feel like that's how everybody feels about me. <laughs> well, what's interesting is that the way I can control him is by a squirt gun, like a squirt bottle, because they hate water. So maybe, maybe. I might bring a oh, water yeah. squirter to shows I, now. I don't. I don't over. like water. Oh my so god! We are go. all getting squirt <laughs> guns. Great. Oh my oh god! Oh my goodness! <laughs> Like it might it. be nice the summer shows. It might oh, yeah. be. Yeah. We'll it's, say we're misting you. It's like a mist fan. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Uh, so can we talk about wholesale versus retail? Sure. You started to do wholesale, I would say, in the last about year, right? I started just a few months ago. Oh, a few months ago. Yeah. Gosh, how time flies. Well, I had one customer reach out to me last year, and that was my first wholesale account. But then I did wholesale shows this January and February. So that's you so, know, really in the game. So so how has that been? What do you see the differences as? And where, like, what are your feelings on it? What do you see your direction going? I love wholesale. I want to do it all the time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, when I meet people at shows, like other vendors that I haven't met in person that just like know me through social media, they'll say, oh, how was that show? And I'm like, you have to do it. You have to start wholesale. Do it immediately. <laughs> I can't. I, I feel. Really? Yeah. What absolutely. do you like about it? Um, I like that I know exactly what I need to make instead of guessing what I need to make. I get the money up front and I am in 17 stores now across. Is that right? Is maybe, that maybe it's real? 14. It's 15. I got 15 from that from American Handcrafted. It seems like in wholesale, there's a lot, there's like a whole other world that I didn't expect of like buyers and buying groups and like there were some places like that they would be like well i i need to get a fee because i work for this museum and i'm mm-hmm. their buyer mm-hmm. and so you're like paying them a fee there's just like this whole sea of un that seems ex- like a scam no it was they're they're uh, what do they call though they're like reps yeah buying, it's a like real they thing. represent maybe 10 to 300 stores because like the people who yeah. run like say the national liberty museum they don't necessarily, they're not buyers. They're like historians. So they hire somebody to be their buyer for mm-hmm. their store. Sure. But yeah. they're paying that buyer. <laughs> You're not paying We're that We're both buyer. paying the buyer. The, that, that's why it seems, that seems so like the a scam buyer, to me. The buyer is basically like, I mean, most people think that wholesale is double your wholesale price. That that's what they're selling for. But these stores are like, no, I need to do more than double. There's not enough profit in double. I need to do 2.2 or up to 2.5. These buyers are like, you need to bump your price down to 40%, not 50%. So, but they, but they have like, yeah, some of these buyers have like permanent showrooms in Atlanta and Vegas. So I don't know. The artists seem to think that the buyers are on the way out. It seems very pay to play and very seedy like that's interesting you know, if you grease my palm time. i'll get you in front of this stuff like when they're they're kind of they're getting paid from both ends right know, it seems well see me. i'm i'm familiar with it because when i worked in retail in that art supply store we had one rep that came in and she represented two's company and chronicle books and like two other greeting card and publishing companies and that was her job she represented so she would be that sales rep that sure. same idea absolutely so, but you would order the products from her, and she got paid. She gets a cut of from that, the, sale. and she would get a cut of that sale. 
that's the traditional model. The the fact that it's like, well, if you you need to give me a little extra no, seems yeah. like on like, top of it's that. It's like you like the like the museum or the entity would lose a percentage, and the and the yeah. maker loses the same percentage. They're yeah. basically connecting you. Mm-hmm. And the place once they have a buyer, they won't go outside that. Yeah, buyer. they won't. They won't, won't cut yeah. them out. So this this one person, this company that deals with that national park, they represent a few national parks, and that's the only way to get into those parks. Mm-hmm. There might be a different group for different national parks, but there was one lady that reached out to me, and um, and I said, could you please explain more about what this is? And she, I never heard back from her after that. But then I looked at some of the people she represented and their stores, like in this little town in Idaho I used to live. And I tried to reach out to that store and the store never responded to me because they'll only go through her. But I didn't realize that at the time. I like, oh. put it together later. I wasn't trying to go around her, but yeah, I put it together later. And when she, she gave me her pricing, and this is before I had done the shows, she just got my name from a list of vendors that she paid for from the show. And uh, I was like, I can't go down to 40 but once I did those shows I really learned a lot about pricing and how you have how structured you have to be with it with wholesale you really yeah. you can't mess around you can't yeah I do I do think that that is kind of a universal gap in art education that mm. they they don't really have a mandatory course that you have to take about selling your work mm-hmm. and and whether that's selling your work as a professional artist whether that's consigning work um whatever what wholesale retail Gallery. doing craft shows and, and i think they don't they don't talk about that and and i think that we see a lot of people who are new mm-hmm. and you you know you see people oh this is i'm fresh out of college this is my right. first their prices are way too low mm-hmm. they don't understand that if they're ever going to get picked up and sell in a store, they're basically going to be taking 50%. They, they can't price things differently at their show than it's going to be sold in a store because then no one's going to want to carry their work. Um, well, and while they're in school, they're starting to do shows and starting to yeah. put themselves out on the market. So they're not paying for their own studio space. They're not paying for their own equipment. So their prices can be crazy low and they're out there competing against us. And while I say competing... We shouldn't be competing with one another, but that is what it is. They're undercutting my prices and your prices and your prices. There's only so many. There's only so many people, so many customers, and they only have so much money. And so yeah, especially that's not true. That's yeah, not true. I don't that's think that's. Sorry either. for pointing at you. <laughs> <laughs> I think that the the money out there for. We are not competing against each other. We are competing against Amazon. We are competing against eBay. We are competing against big box stores. I'm competing against Best Buy gifts and gift Ikea. cards. Ikea. Well, I do love my Ikea. But they but have they a whole are my art section. I and agree. when I walk through it, my heart just is breaking. It yeah. just breaks. Because I'm mean, like, they're paying just... artists for that work. Yeah, but they're not, there's no way they're paying them enough. Right. And... You know that people are like just picking that up and slapping it. Like there's no education yeah. involved. There's no. It's like we're just we're just like lowering the bar bit mm-hmm. by bit by bit until we all just live in a white box with the same print on the wall. And it's just I I'm sure that you have something to say about that. <laughs> but that is how I feel. But about I don't it. feel like we're competing against each other for a finite amount of money. I agree. I, I, I think that the reason why certain people want to do certain shows 
is because those shows curate to make sure that there isn't an abundance of a specific type of work. And when they are placing that work, you try to not place all the same work next to each other to kind of spread it out. Because if I'm going, let's say I'm looking for a necklace for my mother, I'm looking for a necklace for my mother. Mm -hmm. And so my options, if I go, and I, if I go to a show and I'm going to buy a necklace for my mother, how many, how many jewelry vendors are there? Let's say there's five. Okay. One of those five is going to get my business. So in essence, those five are in competition for the money that I'm going to be spending. Okay. Right? Or if it's a gift, it could be more general. Something like that. Uh, like I make t-shirts. However many t-shirt vendors there are, if like, you know what, I want to All buy right, a t-shirt. I get uh, what you're the, saying. But I think that, I mean... I wouldn't say it's cutthroat, but... No, but and you, I wouldn't say... I would also say that, I mean... Like, nobody goes to, just speak for myself, nobody is going to a show and being like, I'm going to pick myself up a glass puppet because they don't know it exists. <laughs> they don't know it's a thing. So it's like, I Same. think that we're, yeah. Same here. Nobody's thinking, oh, I'm going to get, um, I'm going to get a paper cut today. Yeah. yeah. They see it and then they spend the money. And so I think there is, that's why I, I guess I feel like it's, it is. I, would, I think that that would fall into the more general, either I'm going to get something for myself, I, I have fun, or I'm looking for a gift. Right. See what strikes me. I'm not competing against, I'm going to buy a necklace for my mother. I'm competing against, you know what? I was going to get my brother-in-law this thing from Ikea or Amazon or whatever, but this is more suited to him and I'd rather buy this. Sure. And I that's would even the money go, I, I would say that we're actually competing against the weather because that yeah. if nobody yes. shows up at the shows, True. you've got five, you are competing totally over those agree. five. Totally it's agree. really more about turnout. And I think also when there's bigger turnout, I think people spend more too because they have this feeling of like all these people are around and it's this abundant. When you go to a show and like the turnout's not that great, people are like, oh, this isn't, you know, it's like it brings down the... Sometimes the, there's a, an urgency of if I don't get it, I'm going to lose it because there's so many people. Yes, yes, yes. I also think that the weather in some instances, I've actually seen it work to people's advantage where if the weather is kind of bad, let's say on a Saturday, people will come and spend tons of money. They're, one, they want to be in your booth because you have a cover, right? So they don't want to be out. Also, the, the leisurely time that they would spend kind of walking around and thinking about it and maybe not coming back, they, they don't want to be there for a really long time. So if they see it, it they're the like, I'm just going to buy it. I have absolutely mm -hmm. talked to so many people who on a rainy Saturday, they're like, and it could be gorgeous on a Sunday. And they did so much better on that rainy Sunday. Then again, there are some people who did nothing on the Saturday mm -hmm. and did amazing on the, it's, it's so it's, hit the, or miss. I'm going to say, and, this is the reality of shows is that you are a gambler if you absolutely. if you're going to rely on shows and that's why i'm absolutely I, I think it's interesting what you have to say about wholesale because with wholesale i think you as a as a vendor or a crafter or an artist you can actually sort of start to plan things a little mm -hmm. whereas if you're count, counting on just outdoor shows or even just right. show everything the politics, the the election um, two years ago or three years ago totally made craft shows weird for a little while. I think that... Well, there's also a jury process. You're not guaranteed to get into every yeah, show you apply to. And you too. may have right. a show that's amazing for you that you rely on and you don't get in that year. Yeah. And you're, you're, you're relying on 
you're counting on the weather, you're counting on the promoter, you're counting on getting a good spot, but you're also counting on all of those other vendors promoting that show. And they don't. Yeah. They don't all do it. It's true. I don't. I'm the worst. I mean, I'm a nightmare with again, social media. It's like the theme of this show. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this. I know no one's a fan when I say this, but I will say this, that the reason that we're doing shows and the reason that we go to shows instead of just selling from our website or, I don't know, selling in a store, but then the store is the same thing. Or it's why you would put, like why you give a gallery 50% mm-hmm. is that they are going to promote you. Mm-hmm. So I, I hear like different shows and different gallery owners and be like, well, why, why aren't people promoting this? It, I mean, it's great if people promote it. And I do think as artists, we, I mean, and anyways, just being able to have something to put on your Instagram, right. <laughs> since, you got that right. it makes it easier if you have shows mm-hmm. to promote. But I do think that there is something, and I have seen shows where the promoters don't do a great job and they're just relying on what the artists bring. I mean, I have people who intentionally come to see me at a show right. and like, you know, that's my contribution to mm-hmm. to the show. So like, I don't know. I don't like when I hear promoters like totally relying on the Oh, artists. I agree. No, the advertising <laughs> no, budget I, I needs think to if be you, big. Yeah. If yeah. you pay for Absolutely. a show, part of that is the space rental. But... Part of that is because they're supposed to be promoting that show. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Whether it's getting press or whether it's put like, you know, plastering whatever location it is with posters or. And I won't even, if they don't have an Instagram, I won't even apply anymore. If you don't have an Instagram, then I I can't help you. I I don't want to be in that show. Because how are you going to reach people? They're like, we put flyers out? A flyer? You guys, (laughs) I filled out an application this year. Oh. My word. I did. To what? To. Do you not want to say? No, I'm trying to remember. I really am the worst. I think it was the. Is it in Philly? It is. It's the Mm -hmm. Festival. I just did it last year. It was just like, oh, oh, hey, um, do you want to do this? And I was like, oh, okay. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Dude, that show was bomb for me. That's what everybody said. Everyone said it was great. I, mm-hmm. I can't my do a my show. people are a street yeah well that's that's my bread and butter is a street show right like people get a little drunk people are like oh this is this is dumb I'll buy that that's that's those I are my, can't believe those you do people. great at street shows I, I mean do. it's good that you do but not I all just... of them but I do well at that I I mean I've only done it once but I did yeah. great yeah so Casey we have a um a recurring segment called mm-hmm. favorite tool biggest do you know fail. What it is? Do you know? know? I do know about this segment. It's called Favorite Tool, Biggest Fail. Well, we're flattered that you know our segment. Uh, So if you would tell us your favorite tool Mm -hmm. and then also uh, a horror story about you making your work your biggest fail. Horror story. Okay, so my favorite tool is my Martha Stewart handle for my knot, for my blades. It's just a little white... Martha Stewart craft knife, and it fits my number 11 blades. And I now have three of them because I just always just want to have Just in case. <laughs> What's great about it? What's great uh, about it? It just, it, the way you hold it is really, really nice because, like, your pen is yeah. the shape of most craft knives. Just like a straight. And they're metal, and they smell like metal, and <laughs> That's it's like what a whole thing, and I hate it. <laughs> I hate it so much. Do you? But, yeah, it's super uncomfortable. But we hold knives differently. Like, I hold it like a pen. So... Are you right-handed or left-handed? That's how I hold mine. Are I'm you right-handed. Re- you're right-handed. Mm-hmm. Now, will the knife work for somebody also that's left-handed? Or yes. Is it specific? Okay. But I just put an order in for an Ergo Kiwi. 
<laughs> sounds like a cheat. Is that a, is that a new knife handle? <laughs> yeah, they had a Kickstarter that like, over blew your... up. A Kickstarter? Yeah. For a knife handle? Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. And it's it holds in the blade with a magnet. Oh. And they're little. Like they're, I don't know, they're they're little. They're like the size of my iPhone. No, about half the size of my iPhone maybe. And um, they come in wood or plastic or there's a bunch of different materials you can have it made in. And they're supposed to be the most comfortable, dreamy knife on the market. So I'm ordering so, one of them. So this could dethrone the Martha Stewart handle. I don't know that anything could dethrone oh. Martha Stewart. <laughs> yeah. Did you know, as an aside, uh, did you know that Martha Stewart is getting into that weed game? Yeah. I did not know she's that. She's no I dummy. But she's been hanging out. She did a show with Snoop Dogg. It, she's partnering is, with Snoop in it. Oh, that yeah, show she, is fantastic. Yeah. I love I love it so much. Mm-hmm. I also love that, you know, they're always like, Snoop and Martha, one of them's been to jail. <laughs> it's yeah. so great. I, it's so I great. really love the announcer. Or, I, don't, no, I don't know if they know. say it on the show. It's just kind of like a, might just be like it. an internet meme thing. Because they, they hang out together all the time. That she it's embraces so what a savvy businessman he is and just is so outside her comfort zone and lifestyle. It's so great because I follow her on Instagram. But it's Have you ever watched the show? No. The show it's is adorable. amazing. She's sort of like kind of not ignores him, but she's like, oh, like and then like he'll keep just keep going and yeah. There was one I I cannot remember who they this one rapper they had on and he was like hitting on Martha. Nice. Man, oh man, he's like it's like oh, a crap show, right? It's, or a cooking they, show? They cook, they, they cook, they cook yeah. and they do different stuff and like. Snoop has his recipes, and she'll have hers, and they'll kind of do like the, these different versions, and then they sit down and, Is it still and on? eat them. I don't. I, know, I think it had a second season. I don't know what the state of it is what right now. Is that? Is so like they're gonna VH1 grow weed together. On, I think it was on VH1. Was it? They're gonna grow weed together. I don't know. I don't know if they're gonna grow it or if they're just like going in on you know like sponsoring a farm or. I you know, what the, I thought what it was just the oil she was getting into. I, like I said, I, I don't know. I just know that she's going to get into the game. Yeah, yeah I don't think she's going to get you high. I don't, oh, the CBD or yeah, something like CBD that. Yeah, CBD oil. I, don't, I think. I'm not 100%. I'm you're so Googling running. it after we Your read. listeners will have to <laughs> Google. look that up. That's, Find out if Martha Stewart is, uh, is farming weed and let us know. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So that was your favorite tool. So what is your biggest fail to date? Um... Hopefully ever. I mean, I've made big mistakes, but I like I've changed or learned or something. But I think the one thing that I can never get right, no matter how I go about it, is light boxes. And I'll tell you what, if there is someone out there that can make me better at that, I would trade some pretty big paper cuts for that. So this is a for light box knowledge. for a piece that you're trying to sell? Or is this you want to work like a work light box? Oh, no, no, I know how to use a light box. <laughs> not, not how to use a light box. I could not figure light. out what the question was. Francisco <laughs> can help you out with that. Not how, to, not how to use a light box. This is what I didn't know if you were on. trying to construct like a working No, I would like, like to backlight my paper cuts oh, okay. in a way that creates crazier, better, nuttier shadows. 
but I can't get it right. It's like this, the lights I'm using aren't right or the depth isn't right or when I get the lights in there, they move. They. I can testify that it is an extremely hard thing. A... I've tried to do it for the stained glass yeah. and it's exhausting. Yep. I, I, I hand carved my own for a while and thought that was going to work. I it was it's it's like really something I would like to pass off to somebody. Mm-hmm. Have you guys tried I totally understand. Um, LED strips? Yeah, mm-hmm. you did. It's uneven. I mean, you'd need like you'd need like a huge a huge amount of them, you know, to to give you like an even light. I mean, that's the problem with mine is I don't get an even light. That's why yeah. I don't like it. And I could probably work around the uneven light because I could just make a wider border of paper so that you wouldn't see the spots mm-hmm. but the led doesn't work for me because they only come in cool white and i want a warm white so yeah <laughs> light boxes that's my answer okay it's crazy and technology technology yeah in general i should be using illustrator i'm hand drawing everything i should be doing design on computers and i'm not in terms of so the uh, like actual drawings and yeah. The pieces, right? Yeah, cleaning them up instead of... Because what I'm doing now is I'm drawing it, I'm cutting it, and then when there's things on it I don't like, because I don't know how it's going to look until I have to cut it. So then I photocopy it, cut it again. Yeah, it's nuts, right? Like if I That's just, nuts. So I photocopy it, and then I work on the photocopy, and I redraw stuff, and then I recut it. Like, it's a total... <laughs> it's so stupid. It's not so stupid. stupid. No, I think that's how it. I think that's how it happens. I think you you start doing things one way, and then yeah. as like time crunches in, and like oh, I need to be making these faster. I need mm-hmm. to be making more or whatever. You fi- you're like you reassess your process. Like if you were just doing one a week, that's right. a totally fantastic, right. really thoughtful um, process. But if you're trying to do, what are yeah. you doing? How many do you make a week? Do you think? If I was just paper cutting, well. If you're making or just this schedule now that I have, I mean all the things like you're doing from to beginning to end. Oh, not many because I don't frame every week. Oh, I only frame when I have to. Oh, I only frame before a show or before I have to ship an order. Otherwise, oh. I just cut, cut. So cut, how many? If you were going to do just them. cuts for a week, and Jay wasn't around, <laughs> <laughs> um, I could probably depending on how simple the design was. If I was doing my simpler designs, I could do 100 a week. Wow. By hand. Your hand would fall off. That is crazy. Yeah. But the more complex ones take me longer. So, you know, maybe 20. So, let me ask you this. (laughs) Let me ask you this. Let let me (laughs) ask you this. I like to, I like to, I like like to ask, I gotta, I ask the hard hitting questions. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, yeah. This is legit journalism right here. Um, (laughs) If you, for your iterative template design process, Mm -hmm. if you were doing that in Illustrator, would you consider having that laser cut, let's say, just so that you could quickly get out and see if it works only for your templates? Well, I think if it was an Illustrator, I would know what it was going to look like in the end. Because when I'm drawing, you know, the pencil lines cross or, you know, you can't, it's just a pencil line on paper. You can't see this is solid, this is open, right. you know, right. because like the it's all just white paper. It's yeah. different. Right. So, but I don't, 
I don't see my business being hand cut 100% until the end of time. There will be technology involved at some point. And maybe in small, in small ways in the future. Where you would have like more production runs and then your bigger pieces or, or you'd have more right. unique pieces. Or, or say like it that. was like a specific product. Sure. You know. Sure. It's fashion houses do that. Like mm-hmm. they have like the ones that are on the runway, which are oh, like yeah. they're amazing. Right. And then, and like then they tour. have like yeah, yeah, and then they have like the knockoff that go to mm-hmm. or like the smaller, more wearable items. Right. Well, and I think that's an interesting approach to the let's say wholesale versus versus show. Mm-hmm. Where your wholesale pieces, you want to put it out there where someone could in theory order a hundred. Right. I want a hundred of these because I want to put it in a couple different stores. Right. Do you want to? I mean, you obviously, you know, you Do could. Do I want to? Hand cut, I don't hand know. I mean, those, that's, or... a, that's a pretty saturated market. I don't know if I want to do that. I mean, mm-hmm. how much future is there in putting a couple hundred of something into the market? I don't know that I could keep up with that design. Because at that point, you have to be designing so much and growing so much and changing, not changing, but improving your product all the time so that people will another one and then another mm-hmm. one and then another one and i mean that's that's at that level i would have to have a full team because i feel like a large part of the wholesale market is the reorder right mm, like hopefully. that's the game you get in <laughs> you get in the door from everybody so far there's there's the initial order but then you you're hoping for the reorder right well yeah so i'll i'll contact everyone in a couple of months and then I'll reach out to them midsummer and say, this is my fall and winter. Do you want to wear any of this? And mm-hmm. my ornaments and everything else. And then, but from what I understand, some of these places only buy at the shows. And and some only do like once a year. They'll do like a once a year sweep. Like buying trip, and they yeah. get all their stuff and then that's it. And, that's, and then they come back. that's rough because those shows are expensive. Wholesale yeah. shows are, it is, a, you are sinking a ton of money in. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so, but with 17 stores, that's pretty good. I know, I'm really excited. I had no idea the number was that high. I mean, you well, just started just, in January. Yeah, it's just... <laughs> that's awesome. Right. Right? That's yeah. like... So I did three shows. Yeah. I got none from the first show, three from the second show, and then 13 from the next show, but then someone reached out to me later. But I haven't even delivered them all yet. Like, I still have... Like, they didn't want it all right away. Some of them, one order didn't doesn't want anything till September which I think that is that's what makes this a livable thing yes. because you start to be able to see oh there'll be a check coming in on that date or yep. there'll be a check instead of like this I have 15 shows let's hope they'll go well yes. it's right. like when I used to be a waitress the reason I I stopped waitressing was because I was like every night I'm like all right tonight's the night I'm gonna make the big bucks and then and I was like, oh, thank God I left that. And then I started doing shows. And then it was like four years in. I'm like, I'm doing the same yeah, yeah. thing, man. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I definitely gambling. enjoy the stability of a standard paycheck. Yeah. But that, the big that wins. Works, that works dude. for me. The big wins are like big. I mean, it's like, but maybe you're, uh, my ego needs it. <laughs> like a, a big win for me is like, it's all been worth it. <laughs> you know? I'm with you there. I mean, the shows, seeing people see your stuff for the first time. I just did a show in Chestnut Hill and I haven't done a show in Chestnut Hill in two years. So my work is different. It's better. The framing is better. My setup is improved. 
and people were walking in my booth like they hadn't seen paper ever in their lives. <laughs> Thanking me. I mean, you can't get enough of it when they're like, thank you for doing something so unusual and different. You never see anything different anymore. I mean, come on. That's the best. That is Yeah, the best. When, you, when you meet somebody and they're super into what you do, yeah. it's very gratifying. Right. Absolutely. And it's like the it best is. feeling. And you don't get that if you're not doing shows. Because social media is... It's... Well, I think one of, the, one of the reasons to do a show, right, mm-hmm. outside of anything else is you have direct interaction mm-hmm. with your, with, with people, with the people, Absolutely. the public, right? Um, wholesale isn't going to give you that. Um, you mm-hmm. know, no, nothing else is going to give you that, really. Yeah. Gallery shows, yeah. none of that. And up until you, ha- you do the show, it's really all just in your head. Yes. The whole thing is like a whole whatever, a whole scene or a whole piece or or like an idea and you have no idea if you're right or wrong or if you're like like completely off the map this is like the dumbest idea ever you have no idea yeah and then you like put it out there in front of the public and it's like it just you know you get to I test agree. it I am it can be painful yeah. too <laughs> i am always surprised though like i i feel like even though i've i mean last year i've ended 42 days so that wow. wasn't 42 different shows, but it was 42 days of ending. That's a lot of dealing with the public. And, and like listening to what they're saying and getting feedback from them. But I'm still putting out collections and thinking, this will be my bestseller and being <laughs> dead wrong about it. Me too. Almost every time. Mm-hmm. Me too. So I don't, I don't know what, like, I don't know. I guess I like the customer feedback, but I'm, I'm not getting it, I guess. <laughs> It's like not sinking in. That happens a lot. I think that like since I first applied to college when I was just 18 years old, I remember like people would go through your portfolio and the ones that everybody would get jazzed about, you're like, oh, that's the one? Yeah. I've always thought, and I've heard so many artists say the same thing. Like the one that they're super, they're like, this is it. I've said it all. People just (laughs) blow by it like whatever. And then they like this. Yeah, I don't know. Right. Shit on the page. It's mm-hmm. like weird. I, I don't know what that means. I don't either. I don't, I don't. I thought I knew my people. I don't. Well, I think it's interesting that the ones that maybe resonate with you and that mean more to you are not always the ones that resonate with everybody else. Whereas something mm-hmm. you're just like, oh, I'm just going to make this and mm-hmm. it's okay. And then people are like, I love this. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, you never can tell. Right, and it could be that something has more meaning for you, or you're you're happier with it because it was more difficult for you, and mm-hmm. you know there's there's that kind of gratification of making that doesn't always translate to the to the final piece new. to your audience. That's what I yeah. find is when people just want like people. There's a couple designs that people just want from me all the time, and I am not saying that I am not grateful for that. Right. I think that's amazing. But it's a little like I feel like <laughs> I don't even know I don't even like Eric Clapton, but I feel like Eric Clapton with Layla. Didn't he write Layla? Yeah, he did. He did, right? Yeah, like I, he has to sing it at every concert, yeah. right? Yeah. Or you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's that's what gotta, I feel you like. You got to put out the hits. Do you? Yeah, it's like do the you Stones have, say that about right about satisfaction? Like okay. they don't ever want to do it again. I mean, they just and I don't ever want to hear it again. So yeah. I get it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. I, so do you have that? I mean, do you have like pieces that you're like, oh my God, stop asking me to make that? No. 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 My bestseller is Little Red Riding Hood and I love making it. Oh, that's a good one. Mary Poppins. She's kind of a pain in the neck to make. 
I've got a Puppins. Yeah, it's for some reason, it's the little tiny windows and the little tiny doors. Like, I just can't get them right. I find them to be so difficult, and all they are are squares and rectangles. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> I find it to be such a chore. So I'll try to bang out like five of them in a row, and then be like, Poppins is done for the day. And then I'll move on to something else because. Uh, Have you ever? That's in your like classic collection, right? So you mm-hmm. make it over and over. Have you ever thought of getting like, um, like a I don't know, like a cookie cutter that you could just just cut, punch out squares, just punch out maybe those windows. Maybe I try to change them. Like I add like little curtains to them sometimes, oh, nice. or I do like archways. See, that's why it's yeah. better that you're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice. Mm-hmm. I love that. Well, Casey. Yeah. I really appreciate, we really appreciate you uh, it's always coming out here. to chat. Yeah, well, listen. <laughs> Do I, should we make a note of this? Sure. This is That's Casey it. Lynch uh, 3.5 because <laughs> I had technical difficulties and um, yeah. This is, this is the three, yeah, third third session, yep. three, and half three and a half times, times session. Uh, trying, to, trying to get this right. So you yeah. really have been our guinea pig and we yeah. Truly, I love it. We it's truly so appreciate it. You were our first interview, and then you were our first, second year interview. And then, yeah. I love it. And we appreciate that. So, Casey, where can the people find you? On social media, I'm Squirrel Tacos. My website is squirreltacos.com. And on there, you can find my events page and a sometimes updated list of retailers. Awesome. I think right now it just says Art Star. <laughs> And Genevieve, where can people find us? Uh, on the web at craftchatpod.com and on Instagram at craftchatpod. And then you can listen on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, or on our website. And uh, if you guys could do us a favor, if you like our podcast, you could share it with your friends, your family, strangers anyone at all accost a person on the street and tell them about the craft chat podcast you'd be doing us a a major solid awesome all right well thanks thanks for having me no problem see you guys next month (laughs) (laughs) bye